Greetings to each one here this morning. It's um, a blessing to be here. Special welcome to our visitors, um, especially to uh, Brother Melvin and your wife. It's a blessing to see you here. I look at your wife and I see your mother. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of uh, Brother Ira and his wife as they used to visit Deer Lodge a lot. And years gone by and brings back a lot of memories. I, uh, we have all have fond memories of, of the Hubers. Brother Irie and his wife, as they, there were two of your sisters lived there in Deer Lodge, so they were there quite frequently, and it was always a real blessing. <clears throat> Especially, I remember the days when Brother Irie would come over to the shop there, and we'd sit and talk, and I realized, soon realized that this man had a tremendous knowledge of the scriptures. And uh, I could ask him just about anything, and he would know where it's found and have a real good explanation for it. I uh, uh, always cherish those times. And uh, Another side point, I remember he, sometimes he would get up to start preaching, and he would open his Bible, or maybe, I don't even know if he'd open his Bible, but he would get onto a scripture and he would just memorize, from memory, straight from memory, he would quote entire chapters in, you know, in his message. He would just go on and on. You remember that? Remember your dad doing that? And I asked him one time, I said, how, how did you ever get that much into your brain? You know, just that you can just quote it from memory. And he said when he was a young boy, they would... Uh, haul out a lot of their manure on the farm by hand. They would load the manure spreader by hand, and his dad would haul the loads out. And he, he told me that he would, he would start on a chapter, and he would rehearse, he would read a verse or two, and get that in his mind while his dad was out spreading this load. And then when they were forking the next load, he would just continually run that over and over and over in his mind, and then when dad took that load out, he would get the next two verses and he would do that. And he said, apparently uh, they didn't talk a lot while they were working. They just worked hard. And, but he said in one day you could memorize almost an entire script, uh, an entire large portion just in one day. And he, would, and he said, we did that all winter long. That's how we hauled out our manure. And uh, he he credited that time as a young boy that he spent memorizing scripture for the fact that he could, when he was 75 and 80 years old, he could get up in the pulpit and, and just from memory pull out entire chapters flawlessly. I guess it was, it might have not have been flawless, but to me it was. And you know, I, that's not my message here this morning, but uh, Reminded me of that story, and I just to challenge what you put into your brain when you're young is what you will be able to pull out by the bucket full when you're old. Just remember that, young boys and girls. What you put in there now is what you will be able to shovel out in big quantities when you're my age and older. I was extremely blessed with the messages this morning, especially. Uh, <clears throat> 
the uh, that story about that lady that broke that box of alabaster and poured it out on Jesus. Um, I don't know if the scripture is clear who that Mary was. Was that the sister of Lazarus? In John 2, it, it does say that he was at Lazarus's house and Martha was serving the meal and Mary was pouring out the ointment on his head. And the price of the ointment was the same as the one in, in that you quoted. So I want to think that might have been the same time and the same instant. I'm not sure. Another source I read that said that this was the Mary that he had cast out seven demons of. And so I didn't know that Lazarus's sister had seven demons. But I, I kind of thought it might have been two different ones. Nevertheless... Either one of these went through some extreme hard times and that's why she was where she was. If it was Lazarus's true sister, she saw Lazarus die and wept through that, the loss of her dear brother and Jesus came and brought him back to life. It was the one that he cast out seven demons. She must have remembered the torture of living with that from day to day. And here she's set free and she's delivered and she gives him all she has. It's a beautiful picture. And also the, the children's story that's, uh, that we've, we've had those Becky and Benji books ever since I was a little boy. Or, back when I was a child, and we had them for our children. <clears throat> the author of those books was my school teacher when I was your age, Daniel and Earl. <laughs> I knew that lady quite well. Um, a very good writer. But that lesson of little Benji losing his hat, and the tears that he shed, and the remorse that he had, and the sorrow of soul that he had to see his hat all chewed up by a pig affected him for the rest of his life. That made an impression on him. That instance has probably helped him remember the lesson better than anything ever, anything that anybody else could have ever told him. <clears throat> and you will, you will uh, understand that a little better as we go into the message here this morning. Uh, my heart was drawn to the church, obviously, as we are facing an ordination here in the near future. And my heart was set to preach a message about the church and, and the, uh, the function of the church and, and the founding of the church, and uh, that's where my mind was going, but... In studying of that, I came across Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes and how Jesus went up on a mountain and, and he, he sat down and his disciples came to him and he taught them saying. And that's the beginning of the church age. And these points here in Matthew chapter 5 are some of the most important points for the church of Jesus Christ to remember. And he, say, and he goes on and he says, blessed are, blessed are. 
Happy are you. Blessed are you. Does the church of Jesus Christ want that blessing? If we want the blessings, if we want the if we want the blessing and we want the, the, res, the results of that, then we need to see what he's saying here. He says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I've had many questions over the years, and I, you know, and, and is he saying that that the poor are more blessed than the ones that have possessions. And I know that many people have tried to make application and try to figure out, okay, so how much can you have and still be poor? And do we need to be poor to be blessed? And and on and on and on. And, And I think we miss the point. I believe what, through praying and seeking God, I believe what he was saying here is that the first step to a meaningful life with God is to realize we are needy. We are so needy. We are in need of a Savior. We are poor. We need something we don't have and we desperately need it and we can't get it on our own. In fact, we don't even deserve it. We are so needy. We need something so desperately that we're crying out for it. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The needy, the poor in spirit. And the next one, it says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Going back to that little children's lesson, and here this little boy, he lost his brand new hat. He is in need of a hat. He, his most prized possession, he had just vanished in And the pigs just chewed it up. And and he finds himself in such desperate loss and need. And he can't go buy himself a new hat. He doesn't have the money to go get a new hat. He can't drive himself down to the store to get a new hat. He has to go to his father and just say, I'm so sorry I lost my hat and the pigs ate it. You see the picture of poor Benji learning this lesson with weeping and tears and it made an impression on him the rest of his life, I'm sure. And unless we start our Christian experience in this way, we're going to miss the blessing. We're going to miss the blessing, brothers and sisters. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus grew up in a Jewish home. Jesus knew the rituals. Jesus went to the feasts. Jesus was taught in the ways of God. As a Jewish boy, he would have been taught 
the, uh, the Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of the First Fruits, and all of those feasts. And he grew up seeing the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he knew all these things. The religious folks, he was a part of that. He grew up there. He knew that. He grew up amongst people that knew the system and knew how to be what they needed to be. Without the tears and remorse of your sin. He knew. He knew how to. He knew of people that could do the right thing and say the right thing and go to the temple at the right time and and sing the right songs and, and worship at the right time. But there was an emptiness there. And I think he realized that the thing that was missing, that they needed to come to the point that they needed to see how poor they really were. And even Paul, he said, you know, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was of this lineage. I, I did this. I, I had this. This is who I was. I'm not poor. Until he saw him, his own self and the Lord struck him down there on the road to Damascus and Paul realized how wretched and poor and needy he was. And with, with tears and cryings for three days in blindness, He found the Lord and he found something he never had. That's what Jesus was talking about here. This is what I will build my church on. This is the key blessings that I want for my people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Am I saying you cannot be saved and born again without going through a certain formula and you have to feel a certain emotion and shed a certain amount of tears before God will accept you? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying if you want the blessings that come from the true church of Jesus Christ, this is how you get the blessing. This is how you get it. Or this was his formula. This is what... Jesus was saying, this is what I want for my church body that is ruled and and regulated by the true love of God that flows from the inside out, out of a clean and pure heart. This is going to be better than what we have had for thousands of years in the Jewish culture with all the ceremonies and all the feasts and all of the the, the rituals and all of the sacrifices. This was a great start, but we need to go deeper, is what Jesus was saying. We need some, some revelation from our spiritual poverty, poverty so that we can find the true riches. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Joy comes to those who are sincerely sorry for their sin. We discover gladness when we leave the prisons of pride. And and repent of rebellion is the only place that we can really find. Just the freedom and the joy that flows out. And the comfort. 
they shall be comforted. Those that mourn, those that weep, they shall be comforted. I'm sure little Benji one day soon, after a week or so of him mourning and him wearing his brother's old hat, I'm sure that it was his dad's greatest pleasure to one day soon come home with a brand new hat for Benji. And Benji was comforted. You can make that application for yourself here this morning. Something so beautiful about tears that wash the soul somehow. I don't know how that works. I don't know the chemistry of the body's makeup and all of that, but there's something that cleanses the soul called tears that does it like nothing else does. I remember Dale Heisey, dear brother Dale, shared this testimony to me one time. Or maybe I heard it on one of his messages. I'm not sure, but I kind of think he told me this himself. There was a time in Costa Rica when there was an accusation in the church against him and he was removed from being an elder there for a time. And their accusation was that Brother Dale is gentle part of the time, but he's not gentle all of the time. And he said, if you can't be gentle all the time, then you can't be the elder. And he said, I was in my chicken house gathering eggs and I was going from nest to nest and getting, reaching in and getting, filling my bucket with eggs. And I kept thinking over and over, Dale is gentle part of the time, just not all of the time. And he said, finally, it struck me, if God can make me gentle part of the time, then God can make me gentle all of the time. And he said, I got down on my knees in that dirty litter in the chicken house and I wept and cried out to God. And I said, God, you can, if you can make me gentle part of the time, you can make me gentle all of the time. And he said, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. I asked for it. I pled for it. I cried for it. And I got it. Let me ask you a question. What have you overcome? What have you gotten rid of in your life, in your Christian experience that you didn't? that you didn't seek for that deliverance with tears? I have never seen anybody overcome a besetting sin just by kind of laughing at it and joyfully approaching it and say, I'll be a better person tomorrow. That don't work. But if you are, if there's, there's a besetting thing in your life and in my life, and if we are so sick of it, that we can get down on our knees and realize how wretched and poor we are and we mourn over this thing and we ask for deliverance, we can be comforted and we can receive the blessing of being free of that thing that we didn't want. I've had many people tell me, well, I can't do it. I can't. I've tried and I've tried and I can't get rid of it. I can't quit smoking. I can't quit cursing. I can't, I can't, I I can't stop being angry. It's just who I am. And I'm like, I think if you would approach it the same way Dale Heisey approached his problem with weeping in tears and crying out to God, I think God would help you and you could find the victory or the blessing 
That's what Jesus says. If you mourn, you'll be comforted. If you're poor, you'll get it. If you understand your spiritual poverty, if you understand. And even in my own life, I remember in sharing part of my testimony, there was a time in my life when, when things were not going well. <clears throat> and there was a day when I, was, I met face to face almost with Jesus and he said, I need to let him fix what's wrong in my heart. When we find that we find ourselves needy and then he is there and he will help us and we will be blessed. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. This whole process of being poor in spirit and weeping and crying out to God brings a meekness that is not a weakness. A meekness that gives you power. A meekness that gives you strength to overcome. In our day and time when pride is everywhere in the in the political world even and around the just this everybody wants to be somebody everybody wants to be the king on the mountain wants to be the man on top i remember when Donald Trump was running for president the second time. I got this email that you can sign up to, uh, to vote for the, for the president by email, you know, to give him your... And this went on to say that he reads every one of these emails, uh, which I kind of doubted, but I thought, well, hey, that's... But if you want to send the president a special message, you can actually respond to this email. You sign up here and you can send the president a message if you want to. I said, here's my chances. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And so I sent the, I signed up for the whole thing and I, I sent him a message and I said, Donald, if you will humble your heart, God will raise you up. Just... You'll make a good leader if you're humble. <clears throat> and of course, I instantly, uh, before the day was out, my email box, my inbox was flooded with all kinds of political stuff, asking for money and whatever, whatever to help this cause. And I finally unsubscribed of it all. I didn't want all the trash. But praise God, I was able, to, I think I, I don't know if I was able to tell him that or not, but I really believe that. If Donald Trump would have been humble in his heart and would have given God the glory, he was on some good paths and he had some good ideas. But there was so much of this, I am on the top and I am the king on the mountain and no one will get up here except me. Okay. So where are we in that? Do we want to be on the top? Sure we do. 
It's good to be on the top. Do we want to push everybody else down so we can stay on the top? Sure we are. That's just human nature. Would you rather be the king of the mountain or would you rather be the son of the most high God? Just think about that. If we follow through here, if we get down here to uh, <clears throat> to one of these, it says you will be called the sons of God. And it's not the proud. It's not those that are the king of the mountain. It's not those that push their way to the top. It's not those that push everybody else down and lift themselves up. It's not those that think they are the best. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. I don't understand all that. I don't really want to inherit the whole earth. I don't want to own this whole place. I want to go be with God. But look at Paul's life. Paul was a Pharisee among the Pharisees. He was somebody. Until he humbled himself. And he found this true meekness. And even to this day, Paul is considered one of the apostles. He is considered one of the best writers in the New Testament. He's considered somebody. But not because he was the king of the mountain. It was because he was, he was humbled and he knew where, where his true riches lie and where his power lie. <clears throat> Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. I believe that When a person truly follows these steps and truly finds themselves broken before God, meek before God, there's a hunger for God. They have tasted, we have tasted something good and we want more of it. We can't get enough of it. We want more. We want we want to be around this one that, that has given us this great blessing. We have this wonderful blessing. And we want more of it. And that is right. And it is good. And there's a... And he also, he says, the blessing of being hungry and thirsty for God. Is God is there pouring it out. They shall be filled to the top. Not half full. Not still hungry, but I will fill you. I will fill you. And I just, I love that analogy there. I mean, the just, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will get it. And you will get it to the full. That is beautiful. You will get it to the full. 
Just as a newborn is hungry, when a newborn baby is born, it soon is crying. It has lost its line of nourishment from the mother. And all of a sudden, there's a hunger. There's, a, there's just a, there's something there. It's hungry. And it's kind of like it is when we, when we get born again. And we've lost, we've cut off our, our line, our feed line to the world and self. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves hungry, just like a newborn baby. We've tasted of God, and God is good, and we want more of it. <clears throat> the next one is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It's just another, just, just an outworking, a progress. We find ourselves merciful. We realize all of a sudden that God has forgiven us. 10,000 times more than we can forgive our fellow men. And mercy flows out of our life. It's just a natural. It needs to be natural. And the thing about merciful, the people that are merciful don't see themselves as merciful. The true merciful person doesn't go around, I'm merciful. Well, I'm so full of mercy. Can you believe how full of mercy I am? No, that's the last thing on their mind. There's a dear brother. If I would name his name, every one of you would know him. And I talked to him here a while back. And I've always felt this brother was full of mercy. I mean, I just know him as probably one of the most merciful people that I've ever known. And, and he said, yeah, you know, the Lord is good. And the Lord is trying to teach me how to be merciful. All the things that I've gone through in the last year, he said, I'm sure that God is just trying to teach me finally how to be merciful. I mean, I, I've, I look back over my life and I see so many times that I wasn't merciful. And I, and I really believe that God is just trying to teach me how to be merciful. And I wanted to just say, brother, don't be so hard on yourself. I think you're more merciful than that, most of us. But he just like, he sincerely said that. Where I, that he really believed that God was, was doing a purifying work in his heart and was going to make him more merciful. And I'm like, if you're not merciful, none of us are. But it's just, that's how mercy, being merciful works. If you are full of mercy. You don't see yourself as having attained to that. You want more of that. You want more of that. <clears throat> I remember there was a time in my life as soon after I got born again, and I was in a position where I could do hurt to another guy. I shook my head and I said, no. God has forgiven me so much, I forgive him. It was a natural. It came naturally. I didn't premeditate those words in that meeting. I did not premeditate that this is what I'm going to do when it's my turn to speak here. But I just said, no, it's over. I forgive. And everybody around the table just said, what? 
I said, yes, God has just forgiven me 10,000 times more than I can forgive this man. I forgive him. He's free. Did the man learn his lesson? Probably not. He's still in prison. But it's, a, it's the natural outworking of the person that has truly tasted mercy. You have to be merciful. It's the blessing. It's the blessing that flows out of your life. If you have tasted mercy, you will want everybody else to just taste of that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What does that mean? How can you be pure in heart? Well, I, I don't steal, I don't lie, I don't cheat. I don't commit adultery. I have kept all these things since I've been a boy. I'm pure in heart. You ever hear that story? You remember that in the scripture where this man came to Jesus and said, how can I have eternal life? How can I get this? How, how can I be assured I will have it? Well, what does the law say? says, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't commit adultery. Oh, hey, I've done it. I've done it, the young man says. I've done it. I've achieved. I must have eternal life. Jesus said, there's one little thing yet. One little thing. One big thing. Actually, it was. He says, go sell what you have and give to the poor. Come and follow me and you'll have eternal life. Isn't it amazing how Jesus can see through the, through the fog and cut it to the core right at the right time? I just, I'm, I'm amazed at that. <clears throat> that rich young man felt he was pretty proud of where he was. He didn't come through this channel of blessing. He just wanted to make sure that he had some life insurance for at the end of his day. He wanted to make sure that he went to the right place when he died. He he was taught that, you know, there's there's a time coming when I will die. I want to have eternal life. Obviously, He wasn't pure in heart. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? Because we all want to see God. For they shall see God. The pure in heart. Our heart can deceive us. We all want a pure heart. Our heart can take us down the wrong road one day and we're right back on track the next day. So how do we maintain a pure heart? Well, I think it's just a progression of what has been happening here 
being poor in spirit, being meek. The pure in heart are those that care more about others than themselves. And the pure in heart are those that maintain maintain their hearts. They watch their heart. And they realize that my heart can be turned in the wrong direction if I let it. But I want a pure heart. And I think we achieve a pure heart the same way that we overcome any other thing that wants to get us, any other thing that comes along. If we see our heart drifting toward things that are not pure or things of the world, we go back and we bring it before the Lord and we say, Lord, I want a pure heart. I want it desperately because I do want to see God. And it's not a formula. It's not just a certain plan. But it's a, I believe it's actually a gift from God that we can have a pure heart. <clears throat> All of us understand that it seems like we can be, we can be as, as right one day as we want to be. And tomorrow we might drop our hat in the pig pen again. <clears throat> and the pigs chew it up, just like little Benji. Sometimes we've got to learn those lessons over and over. But I believe that, that those that really want a pure heart and are really seeking after God, even though those things come and those things happen, but we find ourselves turning back to the Savior and we say, Lord, make me pure. I don't believe in sinless perfection. I don't believe that you're so born again one day that you will never sin again, that you will never have an impure thought, that your heart will never be flashed with some scene of something that you remembered from yesterday and you lust after that thing or whatever. I don't believe that you can just totally be eradicated, but you can have a pure heart that truly seeks after God and truly understands that when I do fall, I have a petition, I can make a petition to him who is an advocate before the father for my case and I can grow and I can be pure in heart one day for I shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a peacemaker? Do you sow seeds of peace? A little seed here and a little seed there. There's something beautiful about a seed, and springtime is around the corner. And it'll be a time when the farmers are sowing seeds, and the gardeners are sowing seeds, and the And the landscapers are sowing seeds, and seeds grow. They come up, and they bear fruit. So are the seeds of peace. You have a pocket full of seeds of peace that you sow wherever you go. 
<clears throat> the peacemaker. For they shall be called the children of God. Are you one that would rather sow seeds of contention, seeds of distrust, seeds of dissatisfaction, seeds of frustration, seeds of, I can't get along with you, seeds of, just think about that. Or do you have your pocket full of seeds of good things and you just scatter them here and there, wherever you go, just a few seeds here, a kind word there, a little bit of build up a little trust over here. I remember reading a story years ago of two, two men or two brothers that had farms next to each other and they couldn't stand each other. They didn't even talk for years, even though they were brothers. They, they were at odds somehow. Something had happened and they were at odds. They didn't even speak. And there was another brother in that church and he said, you know what, this has got to stop. And somehow we have got to figure out a way to fix this. And so he went to Brother A, and he said, oh, what do you think about Brother B? And he said, ah, he's just... Well, but uh, don't you think he keeps up his farm pretty nice, so he mows his weeds? Well, yeah, yeah, he does, but... So he goes back over to, to Brother B, and he says, what do you think of Brother A? And he said, ah, he's... But don't you, he does manage his money pretty good, don't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he pays his bills. Do you know what he said about you? He said he likes how you mow your weeds. So, he, so they talk and he, he pumps. Somehow he gets another good quote out of this brother and he takes him back over to this one. And he says, oh, yeah. You know what he said? He said he he really likes how you pay your bills on time and you're a good manager. He goes, well, you know, you he he said you do discipline your children. I mean, you you're a pretty good dad. And he kept doing that for a couple months and sowing just a little seed here and a little seed there. And he watched a transformation happen between the two brothers. All of a sudden he was like, Oh, hey, how you doing? And they actually got to where they could converse together simply because somebody was willing to take, go dig a seed out over here and plant it over here and dig one out over here and plant it over here. And he was a, what do you call that kind of a person? He's a peacemaker. Against all odds, he got these two brothers to love each other again. You say, well, that's real carnal. You know, they should just have got born again and got over it. Well, yeah, they should, but sometimes when you allow little things that other people say about you can so disrupt our peace that we can't even see clearly. And sometimes we need someone just to come along and scatter a few good seeds. Don't we all want to be called the sons of God? Peacemaker. The opposite of that is what the Bible calls slander and gossip. 
Hey, you, you heard about Brother Alvin. He, he's so-and-so. And I heard about Larry. He's, I heard about Myron. Yeah, Myron, Myron, he. And Pete, you know how Pete is. And those seeds grow and they bear fruit 100 fold. Just like the seeds of peace. We all know the story of a young man that wanted to go see his his girlfriend, and she lived in a in Pennsylvania. No, the boy lived in Pennsylvania, and the girl was from Kelowna years ago. And she was on the way out to see him. They were writing letters back and forth. Somehow, I'm not sure how the story went. But anyway, on her way out to see this dear brother, she stopped at one of her relatives for the night. And they said, oh, you're going to see him? Yeah, yeah, we've been writing for months and... I wanted to take a trip out and do some other things in Pennsylvania, so I'm going to go meet him. Oh, you don't want that boy. He this and he that and whatever. And would you know, she turns around, gets on the bus, and heads back to Iowa and never tells him why she didn't come. This other person so filled her heart with dirt from somebody, from somewhere, that she never even responded to his. And so he writes her a letter. Why didn't you come? And she never answers the letter. This went on for 10 years or more. I'm not sure it was a long time. And finally, there was a brother, a peacemaking brother, that met her at a school meeting here in Kelowna, and said, did you know that Brother Jess is still waiting on an answer to his letter? Because he was a cousin to Jess. And she said, really? Yeah, he said, and he's a good brother. He is a good brother. In fact, by then, Jess lived in Kentucky, where this brother was from. And he said, I really appreciate him. He, he, he's a good brother. And he is still waiting on your letter after these 10 or 12 years. And so she writes him a letter, and they continue their relationship, and they finally get married. Because one was a peacemaker. He was a little, he's 12 years late. But the other one was the opposite of a peacemaker. He was a slanderer. He was a gossip. He was whatever he was, but he destroyed something beautiful that God was putting together here among these two young people that eventually did end up marrying and eventually did have some good days in their sunset years. They were older by then. They were older when the first time they started courting. But I just bring that story out. Be careful what you say. You could be a bad seed sower or you could be a peace seed sower. I'm saying this to myself. I'm pretty loose with my tongue. I just say what I think so many times and I could be saying something that is disturbing somebody 
that is disturbing somebody else that destroys somebody else. And it, we do it without thinking. <clears throat> and it's another one of those things that you just want, if you find yourself in that situation, you want to go back and start over in the first part of the chapter and go through those steps again and just get rid of that and find the blessing of being a true peacemaker. <clears throat> they shall be called the children of God. <clears throat> you know, the church is, is a wonderful thing. God has set it up in such a way that groups of people gather together and operate as a body here and there and over here and over there. <clears throat> it's such a beautiful thing, but it's so easily destroyed. You ever think about that? That God invested so much in the body that is to bring Him glory. And He puts within that body People that have the potential to destroy it. I don't understand that. But we have that in every body. In this, in this assembly this morning, we have the potential to raise up, to, ra to raise up the brotherhood, to, to build up the body. We have that potential in our hands. We also have the potential to destroy it from the inside out. God has given us those potentials. We have that potential. <clears throat> and we have to choose. Will we be peacemaker? Or will we be a slander? Will we be a builder? Will we tear it down? <clears throat> and I believe that part of that comes. Well, let me back up and say this. Those that have, those of us, and I think that should be all of us and is all of us, hopefully, that have our eyes completely fixed on Jesus. We, we come to church and we are looking for the Savior. We come to church and we look, we're looking for a great blessing. We come with anticipation. And, and we see, we're, we're here to see Jesus. Then there are those that come to church and they are looking at the, at the building. They say, well, we go to church, we, this is... Church, this is the bell. We, we see the cracks in the ceiling up there. We see the fingerprints on the windows. We see the stain on the carpet. We feel that the air conditioner isn't working or the heat isn't working or the, the seats aren't soft enough or whatever. But it's those that are looking at the, the building are the ones that miss the blessing. They don't get these blessed ours, blessed is, blessed will be. <clears throat> but it's those that are looking for Jesus. 
We come to church and we see Jesus with great anticipation. We don't notice the carpet has a stain. Well, I don't know, maybe it does, but... And the cracks in the ceiling don't bother us. The fingerprints on the windows are not. That's just our children. Praise God. <clears throat> and we, we're, we're, we come with our, our, our well overflowing with this blessing. We've been walking in these blessings and the, this, this blessing that is poured out on our heads because we've we found it. We found the blessing. And, we, and we, I want to be of those that come and the blessing just runs out. You can't help it. It just runs over. The peace runs over. The blessing runs over. The mercy runs out. I mean, it just runs out over everybody. It just Can we be that? Can I be that? I can if I want it. I can if I seek it. I can if I get it the right way. The blessing comes. Jesus said, blessed are. He said, blessed are ye. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, not everyone is happy to see you and me so blessed and and running over. That doesn't always set so well with everybody. I remember one time, it was years ago in business, I was doing something, and I don't know, just working and singing or whatever. And this, I don't even know where I was anymore, but I just remember what the other person said. And he said, no one deserves to be that happy. I said, why not? I, I have something. I mean, I praise God. I've, I, I found something that makes me happy. Don't you wish you had it? <laughs> I didn't say that. But I, I felt like I was just like, yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Grump, can you get it? But he said that in a, in a real, I mean, it wasn't just in joking. He said, no one deserves to be that happy. I know I don't deserve that. I didn't get it because I deserve it. I got it because I begged for it. So not everyone's going to be happy if you're happy. But eventually it rubs off on other people. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly, exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. <clears throat> Even though the world around us can't understand the Beatitudes. The world around us cannot understand the blessing that flows out and over the child of God that does things God's way. The world don't understand that. But even if they revile us and they persecute us and they shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad 
In another place, he says, leap for joy. I just found that when I went to the other Beatitudes. I think it's in Mark. And he says, leap for joy. How many, when was the last time you just leaped up and, and was joyful when somebody was mean to you? <clears throat> But this is the will for God's, for his people. God wants me to walk in these blessings every day. God wants that for me. Oh, the joy and freedom that flows when we find these blessings. And we're drawn, we're drawn to that. We're drawn, we love that. We can ride that wave for a long time. But we still have the potential to become critical and to notice all the flaws, the cracks, like I said, in the ceiling and all of that. Sometimes we allow our eyes to drift off of the king onto onto the natural. And we see, we see the faults in our, our brothers and sisters. We see our faults in ourselves. We can't stand them. We, we can so easily, we have the potential to so easily just veer off the track and get our eyes off of the king. <clears throat> I want to renew my vision of seeking the Savior. I want to renew my vision of walking in these blessings. I want that. I'm kind of like where Dale Heisey was. I have it part of the time. I just don't have it all the time. And I think I know the answer, how to get it all the time. I believe we can have it all the time. I want to examine myself and inspire myself to experience those real blessings all the time. I want that. Real joy. The real joy comes from God and no one can take nothing or anyone can take that away from you. That is a gift from God. But we need to avail ourselves to that. It's a what I call a sacred delight. Think about that. It's sacred because it comes from God. It's a, it's a gift from God to you, like you give your son a gift. Your, your 12-year-old son wants something so bad. He wants a brand new daisy pellet gun. And one day you decide to give him that gift. And you instruct him how to be careful with it and all of that. But it's your great pleasure to give him that gift. And it's his great pleasure to receive it. It's almost sacred. But that isn't sacred like this is sacred. This is sacred. The delight that God wants to put within our hearts only comes from us walking in this way. And God gives us a delight, a joy that cannot be shaken And it's sacred because it comes from God. 
And, it, and the reason I say it, it's a delight, because we don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's not something we bought. It's not something we earned $15,000 for and went and bought it ourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift that God gives us. And he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. Blessed are the peacemakers. it's a great thing when we allow God to do that in our hearts it's a great blessing when we allow him to make us new from the inside out and he helps us to become new And somehow, we can have a pure heart. And our heart becomes pure. And with a pure heart, one day, we will see God. Amen. Thank you, brother, for that uh, word of exhortation. Jesus in his preaching here, where he began, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's what he was talking about, is the kingdom of heaven. This is, this is how things work in God's kingdom. How is it working for us? My brother shared a lot of uh, practical ways in which these things work out in our lives. And I was, I was blessed. I was challenged to just consider how these things work in our lives, in my life. It is God's will for us to walk in this blessedness. And uh, it's just a question of how well we're doing in that. Well, perhaps someone else would have a testimony. Is there anyone? If you would like to share something, please raise your hand and we'll get the microphone to you so others can hear. Take a few minutes for testimony. Is there anyone? Brother Jonathan over here. Yeah, I would uh, like to say this morning that <clears throat> I was very blessed by being here. Appreciate the word that we heard. 
that would be the desire for my life that um, I could just let the teachings of Jesus there for his church, his people today, to soak into my life and to have more of an effect on my life. And I was challenged by by what we heard, by a number of things there. <clears throat> and I'd also like to just take this opportunity to thank you all as a congregation here for taking us in, making us feel at home. We enjoyed our time here. We are uh, preparing to return back uh, tomorrow. And uh, I just ask that uh, you all would, if you think of it, pray for us. We have some decisions to make in the near future here, I believe. And um, I again feel the need of the Lord's guidance and direction in in all that and um, yeah I'd just say we appreciated enjoyed our time here and uh, I want to bless you all as a congregation as you go forward from here with uh, ordination and just the day-to-day work of the church going forward be a light in the community here for God's honor and glory. Thank you, brother. God bless you as you return to Texas. May his wisdom and grace be with you. Anyone else? Okay. Well, thank you, and we'll have a closing song yet and take the offering while we're singing, and and then we'll have the conclusion. You can turn to song number 703. Seven hundred and three. Pure her in heart, O oh God, help me to be. May I devote my life wholly to. Guide me with counsel sweet, pure ever in heart, help 
Secret sin. 